Okay. This is a Mohamed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Via Skype, we're joined by Gareth A. Davis for the second time during lockdown. First time with me. How you been keeping, Gareth? Very well, thank you. I'm on day 30 of my own isolation, and it's tough. But um, we're still working. Everything's ticking. I see there's something steaming behind you in Miami, South London, with the palm trees. Um, but, uh, yeah, everything's good, thank you. And, um, um, you know, thoughts and prayers for all those that have been horribly affected by this. We're just in lockdown. We're just... Um, we're just stationary at the moment, the sport. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of mayhem going around all over the place. And uh, fingers crossed it gets under control very soon. Definitely. I was just having a chat with you on the phone there before we start this. And you were talking about, you know, how much we're missing boxing. And you brought up the point of there's a, there's a bigger issue going on at the moment. And that has got to be main priority. Um, thoughts with everyone suffering around the world. What's the one thing that you're most missing bar boxing during this lockdown? I can't comment on that. Because I'm locked up on my own. <laughs> um, but, if it's, but seriously, that, you know, that I would talk about. Um, just the buzz of the big occasion and, the, and the, the, that, that kind of thrill that you almost feel in your body when you're around fighters and you're building up and you're around the tension and all those things and just that really. I mean, I'm so used to being on the road at, at events, boxing and MMA. Um, I'm missing the kinetic movement of things, you know, just the fight weeks, just missing the fight weeks, missing the excitement of being on tour, if you like, on the road. That's it. That's it. And, you know, uh, but that's the work thing I'm missing. There's lots of things I'm missing in my personal life, not being able to see my children and all sorts, really. So, but again, it just requires a degree of patience at the moment. That's all it is. You said you're missing the fighters. Are you missing any of the media members or not missing? Um, no, I see enough of the media members. I bet you're missing Cheeky Dave, though. Oh, no, I miss working with Dave. Don't get me wrong. I, mean, I love doing our William Hill stuff and when we're at big fights and we're working together. Um, it's not to way to boarding school at nine. I don't miss anyone. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I think that got that kind of surgically removed from me at the age of whatever it was, nine, when I went away to school. But um, no, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. I miss that. The, 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 you know, I've been doing it a long time, nearly 30 years. So... It's actually time to take stock and have a rest and, you know, think about the wider picture and the bigger picture, you know. So um, it will come back and we'll look back on this period. And I want to get a lot achieved behind the scenes while we're while we are in, in lockdown. And I do believe in lockdown. I do believe in it. Gareth, of course, there's nothing really major to talk about in boxing. There are a few little topics going on, which are probably bigger at the moment than they would be normally because we probably see the comments and just brush them aside on a fight week normally but I will ask you about Deontay Wilder he went on the PBC podcast and a quote that's puzzled a lot of people around the world he said that Fury isn't a real champion thoughts? No I get it um, at the moment Tyson Fury well let me put it from Deontay Wilder's perspective in his mind he had a draw, 
when he knocked Fury down twice in December of 2018. Gosh, that feels like a long time ago now. The last fight feels like a long time ago. Two months. Yeah. He got roundly beaten and he knows it um, in Vegas on February 22nd at the MGM Grand. But he's come up with his excuses. He wasn't right. Torn pectoral muscle. Sorry, biceps muscle um, during the fight. Um, We know he was outthought and he was outmaneuvered. Of course, he's positioning himself that the trilogy fight um, is his chance at redemption now. Real redemption. Because if he loses it, he's finished as ending the era as labelled as number one. One face, one name, one champion. But if he wins he rises to the number one spot again. Because if he beats Joshua then, he stays number one spot, and maybe he and Fury even have a fourth fight to decide who's the number one at the end of it all. So you can see logically how he's making those moves. I like certain things that he did. I like the fact that he recalled, uh, that he initiated the, the trilogy rematch clause just six days after the fight. Good move. Always thought he would. Why shouldn't he? Everyone can have an off night. He was outthought, outfought. He's outclassed as a boxer, but not a puncher by Tyson Fury on most days of the week. Nine times out of ten that would happen. Um, But the third fight is fascinating between them for me because Wilder will be lighter, He will let his hands go straight away and he will meet the middle like Tyson Fury did last time. Fury's got to be more wary this time. Fury's got to be, Fury almost can't fight the same way this time. It might be a Hagler-Hearns third fight, but it might be Fury being really smart again, taking that half step back, covering him up for three rounds, being heavy and leaning on him and wearing Wilder down and using his boxing skills again really timing him this time, is fascinating for me. The other side of it, the non-Deontay Wilder side of it, is Tyson Fury is still two fights away from, because of this contract for the third fight, he's still two fights away from being the number one of the era the solidified number one of the era. Beat Klitschko in 2015. Came back and and destroyed Wilder over a trilogy of fights. One of the most dangerous punches we've ever seen in the heavyweight division. Unorthodox, awkward, all those things. And the second fight, he's got to beat Anthony Joshua. To be the absolute nailed down number one of the era... He needs wins in those two fights. And Tyson Fury can walk away then and just let everyone else deal with the spoils. We know he's the best boxer in the heavyweight division. But, you know, other people have been the greatest boxers. um, But they're not necessarily defined in history as the greatest of that era. Because people pulled up the unexpected. Let me ask you, Tyson Fury decided to retire today. What would either Joshua Wilder have to do to be considered the greatest of, the, of this era? Because many would argue Fury is already the greatest of this era. 
Well, if he retired today, people would say, would always say, yeah, but he never fought Anthony Joshua. So the feeling would be that, you know, that, that he didn't complete what he was meant to complete. And I think we've heard that this week in the words of Anthony Joshua, sitting there in quarantine, in lockdown with four of his family relatives, you know, four of his family, and thinking, if I don't get to fight Tyson Fury, I'll never be satisfied. Fury, even though he has the chips in his corner in the chess, in the chess game or the poker game, he still needs to fight Joshua, in my view. Don't write the guy off. Tyson Fury could have an off night, you know? And that's what you have to look at with Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury in that second fight. He clearly had an off night. Fury had a fucking on night, and he was wonderful. It will be one of the most memorable moments uh, and, 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 and events of my career forever. Just as when Fury went to Dusseldorf and you were still in nappies and, uh, and, and beat Klitschko there unexpectedly. Um, so let's not leave the ribbons untied. Let's tie up all the loose threads. We need all of these guys to face each other. So um, there would always be a what if if he retired now, Umar. And, you know, of course, Joshua and Wilder would slug it out. But they could fight each other four times. It would be amazing. Um, and, you know, is Joshua the finished article? Is Wilder the finished article? Wilder probably won't change that much. Joshua's learning different styles, as we've seen. Even though that Andy Ruiz second fight was questionable in some ways, he learned so much from those 12 rounds. He learned about creating a barrier around his size. He fought as a big man, you know, um, with so much at stake. So, you know, the Bo, Holyfield, Lewis, Tyson era is done. This is definitely the next big era. And we need to see it culminate. Um, and, and I do think because of the lockdown, the longer it goes on, the more urgency and desire there will be from the promoters, the fighters, the television companies and the rivalries to get all these fights done. The world needs to see it now. Like we say that all the time, but now we really need to see it when lockdown's over. You said about Wilder being, is he the finished article? Um, said the same about Joshua. Wilder's made some other comments saying he might bring other people in. He didn't say he'd get rid of Mark Breland or JDS, but talks with potentially bringing George Foreman in and other people in. Do you think that's going to benefit him going into the third fight? Is it too late to bring someone in and change anything at this stage? Excuse me while I eat my miso soup. Um, <laughs> All right, Gareth. Um, I seem to be starving every time someone rings up to do these interviews. Um, um, well, I don't know. We don't know yet. I mean, um, I think JDS is smart. He probably made a mistake um, with his PR instead of dealing with Mark Breland together uh, as a team afterwards. Obviously, Breland hasn't gone. Um, I know that Deontay reached out to the foreman. It's too late to bring someone in, Gareth. No, it's never too late. 
No, of course not. Why? It's, I mean, what's wrong with getting opinions from other people and trying things? Um, you know, um, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because they're different perspectives. Um, you know, look, there was nothing wrong with Tyson Fury's performance against Deontay Wilder the first time. He wasn't, it could have been fitter. He got caught late in the fight when he was fatigued. Um, he still won the fight, in my view, by three rounds. Um, there was nothing wrong with the game plan. It was just a different game plan. But that's why Fury is the most accomplished of all of them. A, he beat Klitschko first, first of all. Yeah. Joshua did it two years later. Vladimir Klitschko. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, Fury is the one, he's the best technical boxer, so he's able to adapt more. But I'm not saying that Wilder can make tiny little adjustments. He's an elite fighter in what he does. Joshua's an elite fighter in what he does. It's just, it comes down to those tiny margins at this level. They're all elite fighters. I mean, we sit here like we're, you know, King Kong the expert, everyone does. But it's tiny little margins. You know, Fury had torn a muscle in the week of the fight and, and, and Wilder had been firing. It could have been totally different. You don't know. It does come down to, to, to the decision making. All sport is like that. And at the end of the day, it's a fight. And so it's, it's the, the athletes that make the decisions that change the pattern of a fight when it's not going their way or when it is going their way that makes the winner in the end. And that's what creates longevity and legacy. So there's so much at stake the whole time. Away from the fight, let's, let's talk about the promoters a little bit. I spoke to Bob Arum, I think it was last week. He said he's had no discussion, this was before the lockdown and during the lockdown, with Eddie Hearn about how they're going to go about the TV for Fury Joshua um, and other you know, sites, etc., other details. Eddie Ernest Tolkug and many times that, that Bob and Eddie have discussed it. Nothing, you know, where they've sat down and gone through contracts, obviously, but they've had discussions about sites and TV splits, etc. Why do you think they're both saying completely different things? What's going on there, Gareth? Well, I don't think there's a negotiation going on because there's a contract. Wilder has a contract to fight Fury for a this third. Is what he's saying he wants to have a deal in place where... Joshua, if he beats Pulev and Fury, if he beats Wilder, they just make the fight. They, he wants a deal to be there right now, but Bob Sanderson... Yeah, that's, fine. that's fine, but, you know, for one, if the pandemic affects America on a different scale and different time scale to how it affects the UK, we might see Fury and Wilder come here. That's, that's possible. Um, I think it's very difficult to make I think it's difficult to make these kind of fights behind closed doors. I wouldn't. I'd wait. Unless it takes a year for crowds to come together again, which is one of the possibilities. You know, I can't see 80,000 people wanting to crowd together again. Uh, you know, any time before the, at least September, I would say, you know, um, unless everybody is masked up. And But imagine the fallout from something like that. Anyway. Um, if we concentrate on the, on the fights themselves, it's reasonable to surmise 
that if the pandemic means we are squeezed out till October, November with a crowd, right, or even December, they may well forego Fury Wilder and Joshua Pulev. It's possible they'll go straight into that fight. It is possible, definitely, within the remit of the boxing world, the wild west of business, yeah, for Wilder to take step-aside money, for Pulev to take step-aside money, and for, say, Wilder, as the mandatory challenger, well, not mandatory, but, well, he's mandatory, it's a rematch, isn't it? So the re, the, to, to the belts, to the WBC belts, that he fights the winner of Fury and Joshua. But Fury and Joshua have got to agree to one fight, not two, in that instance. Yeah. So it's all about the amount of money, the business that can be made, the name of an undisputed champion. So everybody has to have their slice. It's a very complex business. Um, my instinct is that when we come back, it will play out as it was scheduled. And I think we will get the winner of those two fights. And I do think it'll either be Joshua or Fury or Wilder fighting each other. I mean, the winner of... I, I think Fury w w wins against Wilder in the third fight, but it's not 100% guaranteed. I think it's a fascinating fight, as I've said. I think Joshua knocks out Pulev in five or six rounds, six, seven rounds. Um, and I think that fight is destined for late summer next year. Do you see TV in America being a problem? Because obviously ESPN is a, a pro... A pay per view platform, Fury's contract to them. His own whole point of it is not. We know with Sky and BT, they can hopefully just split it uh, in the UK. But do you see American TV for Fury Joshua being a problem, Gareth? What if it happens in the UK, you mean? No, no, no. Wherever it happens, obviously ESPN are a pro pay per view platform. They'll want to put that fight on pay per view, but his own don't do pay-per-view. Um, we know it's Sky and BT, that will be just be pay-per-view each, hopefully just split across the board. But how does a, a pro pay-per-view platform work with a non-pay-per-view platform? How, how's that going to work? Oh, bring Bob Arum. Hey, Bob. Bob doesn't even talk about the fight yet because he oh, sent the box. You're out, so. All right, let's... They will find a way to make it happen. That, that, that's what, I mean... Look, if DAZN say, um, you know, you do pay-per-view for this, but you get six months free, whatever. Do you know what I mean? So there's that, that, it's business. They'll find a way of doing it. You know, I mean, unless, I don't know if Joshua, if, unless Joshua is fight-by-fight fight contracts. He's not contracted his own. It's a fight-by-fight fight deal, whereas obviously Tyson's. Yeah, so, so, you know, I mean, if he got a guarantee, it all comes down to the guarantees, doesn't it? So, um, but it's, it's, you know, they're, they're, like you say, there are so many possibilities. You know, and also, does that fight happen in Vegas? Does it happen here? I mean, I would love it. Does it happen in the Middle East? I mean, what are you nodding for? I have a feeling, I hope, I hope it happens here, but I have a feeling it goes to like Saudi Arabia. I do. I do have a feeling. What, with a 50,000-seater stadium or something? Ready-made? Well, it's just, just the purses for that fight. They're, I don't know what they're going to offer, but it's going to be insane, isn't it? So, 
I think it'd be a travesty for British boxing. It does have to happen here, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely 100%. Absolutely 100%. So what I'm saying is, um, that sporting event, Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury, is 10 years in the making. From the Olympic Games in 2012, where Joshua became a national icon, from Fury's kind of, you know, rise as, as the villainous uh, gypsy warrior, as he was then, to the gypsy king, you know, the, the, the redemptive character, this extraordinary story of, of human resurrection, you know, the loss of the weight, the dealing with mental illness, the coming back from, from, from drug and alcohol binging, the, the you know, to, to, to what he is today. I mean, you know, I know him well. I know you know him fairly well. I mean, he's a really great person. And I've known that for a very long time. I was a fan of his a very long time ago, you know. Um, and, I, you know, I've managed to have some intimate moments with him. Also, I'm a journalist and he's a fighter. Um, but the, 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 this sporting event has built, we would really lose out. Like what, what I'm saying with Captain Tom Moore, God, I've been in lockdown too long, is that it's, it's a national occasion. It's an occasion when the undisputed champion, two British fighters, the heavyweight blue ribbon division of the sport, huge huge event Wembley Stadium if you could do it there it would easily sell out every bar every um restaurant every, people will be talking about this you know it's the kind of thing that will be talked about from the red tops to the broadsheets to to the grown-up programs on BBC Radio 4 do you know what I mean you know and it's a it's a clash of styles and cultures and journeys and brilliant. It has to be here. There's my soapbox. Could you imagine Bob Arum, Eddie Earn and Frank Warren all on the top table together as well? Of course. I remember sitting with um, Bob Arum and Richard Schaefer on a train going up to Manchester and they hated each other. Like in the first class character, I made a little video in those days, believe it or not, on a little, I don't know what it was called, but it's, when it's 13, 14 years ago. You know, when you were a twinkle in your, no, no, you were a, um, Have so, you still got the video, Gareth? What's that? Have you still got the video of Schaefer and Bob Aram? I have, yeah. Schaefer and Aram together on a first class carriage in the train I was with them, heading up to Manchester to see Ricky Hatton. I'm trying to think, Oh, yeah, it was for Floyd Mayweather fight, 2007. Floyd will become, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Floyd is the greatest fighter of all time. I am telling you. Ricky Hatton is special. Ricky Hatton. Um, anyway, what am I doing impersonations for? That's what Eddie Hearn does. Oh, he was doing me the other day. Um, yes, Eddie. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, we're both workaholics. What is wrong with the man? Have a shave, go for a run, lose a bit of weight, get off the Instagram lives. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm on the Instagram live, I'm doing a bit of this and that, a bit of dabble. You know, I've got Emir Khan, Kel Brook, might get them on together. 
can actually make the fight, make the fight lockdown. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Gov? You know, it's all about a penny, isn't it? All about a buck. Ten out of ten, that Gareth. I'm not sure about that. Gareth, last question about another promoter, but <laughs> I've overstayed my welcome with that. <laughs> Uh, Dana White, obviously the idea got rejected to firstly, I think, go to a, a casino somewhere. Um, I think it was in Florida, I want to say. I'm not too sure. No, and then you... Private Island, what was it? I'll correct you in a minute. I'll ask you a question. Go on, where was the casino? No, no, tell me what you want to ask me. Yeah, so, so obviously the ideas got rejected, but what did you make of Dana trying to put on shows during this lockdown? Well, it's typically, you know... UFC are brilliantly Machiavellian in the way they've developed their company. They, they see an opportunity and they take it. They will not be held down. You know, Dana White is a very forthright businessman. You know, he, he understands intimately and articulately the fight industry. I think the decisions were a little bit tone deaf to the situation that was going on in the world to, you know, go to a Native American or an American Indian resort where the federal laws don't apply because of history. I won't go into the history, but you know that because, um, you know this, presumably you know this, that American Indians were obviously treated incredibly badly by the settlers. Um, you know, many of them were killed. They, they, were, they, were, they had a terrible time. Um, and, you know, when America formed its union, um, there was land given over so that they would always have land and that they're not subject to federal laws or, or federal tax. That's why the casinos are on those. They're their own little countries, islands. They're little islands. So he was thinking of putting it on the Tachi Palace in California, not Florida. And um, I think... It was brave and it was bold and it was typical of the UFC. That's how they've become such a huge fight league with this very dedicated tribe of followers, if you like. But this thing's bigger than just putting a bloody fight on this. what's going on in the world right now. And I'm glad that ESPN and Disney's executives made the decision to ask Dana just to step down. Let's just put it on lockdown for now. Um, we weren't even going to get Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson anyway because Khabib's stuck in Russia. So, um, you know, let's not have a fight for fight's sake. Let's have it when the time is right. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they're first back. They've now patented as an idea, as a concept, Fight Island, UFC Fight Island. So they'll go ahead and do that. It wouldn't surprise me to see them do the first fights behind uh, closed doors at the UFC apex in Las Vegas, or they find a way to do, to do it even at American or Native American Indian resorts. Um, I think they'll be the first to do an event because they've, they, that's what they do. They put their flag down. Remember they brought a sport, Dana White, Lorenzo, um, and, um, Frank Fatita, um, uh, were the people who pioneered this sport into the mainstream. So, I think they missed an opportunity to sit alongside the mainstream with this and go along with everyone else. But, you know, they fought to get regulation in every state to get to get permission to show mixed martial arts when it was dirty cage fighting. It's a great sport. You know, as you know, I cover it. You know, it's brilliant. There's some brilliant characters in it. But I think they'll be the first to come back. They'll just make their mark as the first to come back. Yeah.
Gareth, I've kept you long enough. Thank you for giving me half an hour of your time during well, lockdown. Um, keep yourself safe, and I'm sure we're going to catch up soon again, whether it's me or Coogan. You too, Umar. You stay safe as well. And everyone watching out there, um, keep supporting the sport. We'll be back and doing what we do very soon. And fingers crossed, everyone, please just try and stay safe. I'll see you soon. Well said, Gareth. Yeah, see you soon. Top man. Thank you.